Welcome everybody to the next episode of our <clears throat> podcast on negotiation. And as you probably have already heard it, uh, I hope my voice, uh, <clears throat> my voice uh, stays with us. Uh, I'm uh, using the benefits of technology, and despite of uh, being in a in a quarantine, uh, I would never want to miss the conversation with Seth Freeman. As uh, Seth, it's good to have you with us. My great pleasure, Remy. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Seth is a <clears throat> is an expert on negotiation. He's a professor at uh, New York University Stern um, Business School, uh, and you are also I think you also teach at Columbia um, Negotiation and Conflict Resolution. And uh, with Seth, we're going to talk about what it means to win to win warmly, and uh, what kind of tools we can use to turn the tide. And this mysterious uh, this mysteriously sound uh, sounding a title uh, will reveal itself with and fill itself with content. Uh, so looking forward to our to our chat. Oh, I am too, Remy. I've been uh, excited about this for a while and I'm so glad we're doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, um, when I first visited your website, uh, which I will share with all of our uh, viewers and, uh, and the listeners, uh, <clears throat> uh, it, struck, it struck my attention that uh, the uh, would, uh, say that the description of your of your product the description of uh, the, your claim which says win dot warmly dot could you explain what's behind it i can um it's 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 probably the most succinct way i can capture um almost a philosophical approach to the work uh, the conventional wisdom is that if you're going to negotiate it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight is the first possibility. And you often hear people think and speak in those terms that, you know, oh, he's a tough negotiator. Or, oh, he's a real negotiator. And we usually think of negotiation um, as kind of a battle or a tug of war. I win, you lose. Um, there's another approach, as, as, as you and many of our listeners know, um, and that is a creative approach, uh, collaborative, win-win, interest-based. And I love that approach, especially. Um, and um, it turns out that um, the real challenge is how do you integrate these two things? Because if you neglect one or the other, bad things can happen. If you neglect um, the creative side, you can wind up with both sides impoverished. If you if you neglect the um, the, the, the uh, competitive side, you can wind up as roadkill. Um, you can come back, and I've had students do this, come back saying, we built such great relationship, they were such lovely people, we were so creative, and my students have no awareness that they've given away an entire nation's assets, and they're cheerful about it. So neither of these alone can really be sufficient. What we, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, what we really would like to do is go one step further, and that is have the ability to both create wealth collaboratively very well, and also where we have a mandate to do so, to claim a goodly portion of it, not to pauperize the other side, quite the opposite, to do what often seems impossible, to be able to say, this is going uh, to be able to say, we've created a result that's good for the other side, they have reason to celebrate, and very good for us such that I can say to my folks back home, you are first in my heart and I've done particularly well for you. And that's the basic idea of win warmly. That sounds uh, very easy, but I'm sure it's uh, much more harder to, <clears throat> to do than to describe it in words. Uh, 
Um, so probably while teaching your students or while observing um, um, others negotiate and while negotiating ourselves on behalf of others, um, you've, uh, we've, we easily notice the stress, the anxiety, the complexity that we're facing. I think you called it the tight. Yeah. Yeah, the tight. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Could you uh, could could you elaborate a little bit on that? What does what where what is the source of this tide? Is it the eruption of uh, uh, of an underwater volcano? Is it a tsunami that is coming <clears throat> coming at us, uh, or just a mild tide? Well, when I speak about tide, um, as in turn the tide, what I mean is adversity. And if there's one common denominator I hear from people all over the world, students, veteran negotiators, it's that they feel stress, they feel anxious going into a negotiation. Even people who you'd think are extremely adept, extremely powerful, UN diplomats, uh, senior executives, um, they'll, they, they very much express the same feeling. Um, and the good news is that we're not alone in this. The word negotiate itself comes from two Latin words, neg otium, that literally mean not leisure, as you may well know, which means for 2000 years, People have felt that negotiation is many things, but easy or leisurely is not one of them. So that's just the ground on which we do this work. And by negotiate, I don't just mean getting a better salary, although it's certainly that's one way to, to approach it. Um, I don't just mean getting a better deal on a car. Uh, that's the most narrow transactional understanding. I really like Moshe Cohen's uh, definition. He says, negotiation is really um, any decision that two people need to make where they're starting out in different places. And that really opens it up and gives us a sense of the, the breadth of this work. And when we're faced with any one of a number of forms of adversity, it can feel like we can't really negotiate. Um, so for example, what do you do if you have a, um, a key client who says, if you don't give us the impossible in 20 minutes, you're gonna lose us. Oh my God, talk about a tsunami suddenly washing over you. Or what do you do if you're coming out of recession and suppliers are demanding higher prices and you know that, that could really beset and, and, and cripple you? Um, that's a tide that you're, you're, you've got to figure out a way to turn. Um, what do you do if your, your boss comes to you and says, if you guys collectively do not cut the department budget by this percentage, we're looking at layoffs. Oh my gosh, talk about a tide. Um, these sorts of things are with us at all sorts of different moments in our lives, in our, our business life and our personal life. And so one of the things that I focus on is what practical, valuable thing can we do to turn things around and do it in a win warmly way. So <clears throat> you don't need the next question from me. Uh, you know what it's going to be. What can we do? Sure. So uh, well, the sh I think the first thing I would suggest um, that's novel is tools. Um, one of the things that are widely available are principles. And I love the principles of negotiation that, that many of us know who are in the field, uh, all of us know who are in the field, and that our students learn in our, our courses and in our books and such. Uh, those, I, I prize them. They're wonderful. But one of the most frequent issues that I hear students say and, and trainees say is, yes, but when I'm in the room, it all melts away. I'm like a deer in the headlight. I'm, I'm, I'm a squirrel on the highway. What do I do? And that's where it's a secret 
kind of a secret weapon, if I can use the term, applies, and that's tools. And it turns out that every high-stress profession has this secret weapon in its corner. Um, if you've ever seen this famous photograph of Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon, he's got his arm crooked like this, and it's just him standing on the moon. And it's iconic. You've probably seen it a hundred times. And if you've ever looked at it closely, you'll see, you, you might wonder, why is his arm crooked? And the answer is because stitched onto his left sleeve was a checklist. And at that moment, he's looking down at what's the next thing he's got to do in front of 600 million people and history itself and his own life. All of those things are in play. And what's he doing? He's looking down at his checklist. Well, it turns out that's also true of Sully Sullenberger, who, as you know, uh, landed the, you know, the, the miracle on the Hudson, landed his plane on the Hudson River, saved 150 lives. How did he do that? Well, he's a brilliant aviator, but one of the keys to his work was to use tools. They actually had checklists and other tools that they had trained to use, he and his, his co-pilot. And in literally two minutes, under incredible pressure, those scaffolds, he said, made a critical difference. And this is also true of surgeons. It's also true of um, army commanders. It's true of um, pilots, certainly. Anyone who's in a high-performance, high-stress profession needs tools to get through. But it's not just them. This is what you learned in kindergarten. If you picture your kindergarten or your elementary school classroom, the walls were covered with tools, scaffolds for learning, things that broke down learning in bite-sized memorable chunks. Every teacher knows this. And so whether you're trying to learn or use important ideas in real time, tools are kind of a secret weapon. And so one of the keys to turning the tide is having the right tools at your fingertips. And in a sense, we know what that's like all the time. We deal with them, um, we have them handy, that's what this thing is. Look at that. That's just a, a collection of tools. We're, it's second nature for us now. And what a joy to be in a crisis and go, oh, tap a button. And what do you know? We've got things ready to go. So that's the idea that I, I developed. So what are, those, uh, what are those tools? What are those pictures? What are those <clears throat> uh, uh, ready solution, Taylor, uh, uh, maybe not terrible, generic solutions that we can use and apply in those uh, difficult moments to reduce the stress and uh, to turn the tide in the negotiation context. Sure. Um, well, I, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a menu, Remy, and you tell me which tool you would like to hear about. I'll give you a choice of three. Uh, one is what you might do if your boss, if, if your boss calls you and tells you in the next 20 minutes, if we don't do something impossible that our key client wants, we're all dead and I need your help. What do you say to that? Well, that's there's a tool that, we, that, that, that can actually help in that situation. Another is, what do you do if you realize your boss is wrong? How do you speak to your boss in that situation? I mean, talk about a tide that you need to turn. You know, if you don't speak, you're in desperate trouble. If you do speak, you feel like you're in trouble. What do you do? And I'll give you a third one, and that is more close at home to the win warmly concept. What do you do when you actually do want to create a lot of wealth, but also know that you can safely claim it? And so those are, I'm giving you, uh, if you will, a menu. I think of me as your waiter or your, or your cell phone. You tell me which tool you'd like now. 
That's a tough choice. Yes. Um, when I first uh, heard each of those, I'd say, I'm going to go for one, I'm going to go for two, and then I'm going to go for three. But I think intellectually, the most challenging is uh, definitely three. So uh, what can we do to claim and create uh, at the same time? Which, which tool <clears throat> can we use? Sure. Uh, so um, the tool that I would recommend in that case is something that I've, I've developed over, over the years and that my students and my trainees love. It's something called topics, targets, and trade-offs grid. The topics, targets, and trade-offs grid. And essentially, it's very similar to something that uh, football coaches effectively use um, on the sidelines during a game. What football coaches around in the NFL, in, um, um, uh, in, at any, in college, or at any other level, what they have is they'll have a laminated uh, sheet and that sheet is organized in such a way that they can literally look down and glance, call a play and go in just a few seconds. And that enables them to distill all the dozens and dozens of hours of work that they and the team have done during the week and be situationally aware. And there are football coaches who've literally papered the, their, their, the walls of their dens with these cards. That's how valuable they are. They just hold to them like dear life. So think of having something functionally similar when you're in an intense and difficult negotiation. It, of course, it's not you're not going to call a play. What it does do is it tells you three or four very important things. The first thing it does is it tells you what the topics are or what the agenda is. And that alone is a major breakthrough because many people go into a negotiation simply not knowing. They go, well, what, what should we talk about? And that's a great way to really get bamboozled. First, because you can get nibbled where the other one keeps going. There's just one more thing. Also, it allows the other side to decide what is and isn't on the agenda. Um, and third, it just doesn't make it easy for you to, if you don't have an agenda, it's very hard to plan your time out. So just having that list is a real improvement. But it's much more than that, because when you have that list of topics, now you've got all this other organizational advantage. One of them is the targets, knowing what's the best and the worst you're going to strive for on a given point. And knowing the targets is a key to the claiming work. And our students certainly train to claim wealth, but they don't necessarily know to have it handy and visual in the moment. But when you've got it there, you can glance down and as soon as the other side makes a proposal, you can go, this is way outside my parameters. I can't accept that. And that alone is a big step forward because many people just sort of give away the store and don't even realize it. There's another column, the first trade-offs. It's trade-offs between topics. And what this is essentially is simply ranking which of these matters matters most, and then which, and then which, and then which. And that might seem trivial or obvious, but if there's one thing that seems to matter as much as anything else in negotiation, it's knowing your priorities, because then you can make trades. And that's why we call it the trade-offs between topics section. And I've, I've, I've I'll, well, I'll come back to that. The last part is the trade-offs within topics. And this is where for any given matter, any given issue, any given topic, you have creative options. So if you're at an impasse, 
over a given issue, you can just glance down and go, I've got an idea. What if we tried this? Or what if we tried this second idea? And so on. And so in a very simple document, you've got ways to be both very creative, that's what the last two columns do, and to be in a position to be very competitive. That's what that target section does. And then you can just create packages as a, as a last step. So that's the basic idea. And I'll share some stories about how useful it is, but let me stop and welcome your question or your thought. Yes, that's, uh, that makes a complex process uh, very easy. Like football coaches, like their um, like they plays, uh, play sheets, uh, <clears throat> that makes it, that's, uh, uh, that's super handy because uh, it, uh, it summarizes a complex decision-making process uh, uh, and puts it within certain, uh, certain boundaries of a scheme, which is, uh, which is always helpful, especially uh, in, a, in a stressful situation. And I know, Seth, that you are working, you've been working on a book uh, yes. with uh, many of those tools. Could you tell us a little bit more of, about the book and uh, who you had in mind as your target audience? Who did you write it for? Sure. Um, well, the menu that I just shared with you, Remy, is three of the several tools that I discuss and uh, in, uh, I, I explore in the book. Indeed, the title of the book is 15 Tools to Turn the Tide, a step-by-step -step playbook for empowered negotiating. And I'll let you in on a secret. There's actually more than 15 tools. It's part of my principle of un under-promise and over-deliver. So um, depending on how you count it, it's something like 20, really. Uh, but each one is kind of like, you know, an, an app, if you will, or, or a tool that can help you in real time. We just talked in some, some length about one of them, topics, targets, and trade-offs. And there are other tools like, the uh, what do you do if you're faced with a 20-minute disaster if, you're, if you don't come through for a key client? Well, the very first tool of the book um, can help you through that and many, many others. Um, it's called Three Little Words. And those three little words are a way to quickly deploy some of the key principles of creative negotiating. And we can talk about what that tool is uh, more if you like. There's a, another tool, just to give you an, a taste of coming attractions, uh, for dealing with your boss when your boss is wrong. How do you safely explain to your boss or, or convince your boss, look, you're making a mistake um, without losing your job in the process. And it turns out that tool is uh, actually uh, based on research that was done by NASA and then deployed by the uh, aviation industry. And that was so effective that it actually reduced air traffic fatalities 90% over the last several decades. That, and the problem that they discovered above all that the aviation industry faced that was causing plane crash after plane crash was that the co-pilot was afraid to tell the pilot when the pilot was making a mistake. And so they came up with a solution and I've translated that into a tool and my students practice it and they find it actually is very helpful. So each of these tools, or most of these tools are quite well tested. I've used them for years with my students and trainees. Um, and that's the basic idea is, you know, to go beyond principles to make it an accessible, easy way to actually put this to use. Is it... Uh... So they are research based. They are well tested, <clears throat> and they summarize they summarize experience of many people of uh, you know from using them and uh, mm -hmm. uh, best practice from uh, from research. Uh, um, <clears throat> I was wondering uh, who you had in mind. Is it is, are those tools meant for everyday negotiators, yeah? mm -hmm. or are they meant for 
professionals? Are they meant for those who uh, who are facing you know high stake uh, diplomatic or political or business negotiations? Uh, what's the target audience? The first target is um, professionals and business people um, who are um, in their fields, you know, one, five, 10, 15, 20 years out. Um, this is the group that I routinely train in graduate school. This is what I, these are the, these are the people I, I traditionally uh, work with in trainings and consultancies. Um, and these are, these are people I, I'm, I'm, I'm daily um, uh, posting and corresponding with uh, on LinkedIn. Um, it's not the only group that can benefit, quite the opposite. In fact, I've actually used some of these tools. I've taught them to kindergartners and kindergartners love them. Um, I've taught them to UN diplomats, I've taught them around the world, and they actually translate very well. Um, so it certainly is, you know, I'll be teaching my children some of these things as we go along. So it's not specific to that target market, but that certainly is the first focus. Got it. I got it. <clears throat> so um, now we know that where the tools come from. Now we know who they are for. Uh, what are the benefits? And so, well, if we start using, if we start using uh, topics, targets, trade-offs, uh, if we start using other tools uh, from uh, from uh, from your upcoming book, uh, um, what is what is the intended benefit uh, for for the reader and for for the reader and then ultimately the user? Well, I should tell you that I'm quite ambitious for my readers. I really want them to be able to say this made a, a major difference. And I've really thought about the return on investment for the time it takes to actually read the book. And I'll share with you a, a bit of unpublished research that I think at least gives a suggestion of what, what the book can do. Um, a colleague of mine, um, uh, 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 was a scholar at Thunderbird um, School of Management, um, uh, Karen Walsh, uh, did a, a three-year study uh, of, um, of executives uh, doing a simulated negotiation where they systematically prepared. Um, and over time, what she found was that if you systematically prepared for negotiation, your side on average produced 11% more value than if you hadn't. That alone is remarkable. And if you go to your boss today and say, I can usually get you 11% more value your boss is going to name a building after you. But that's just the beginning. What the what the, the study also found is that if you systematically prepare, the other side on average gets 6% more value than if you had not so prepared, which is a quantifiable example of winning warmly. You get it? The other side can truthfully say, we did well thanks to this uh, this counterparty negotiator. And you can truthfully say to your people back home, I did particularly well for you. So if you, you know, if it takes like four hours to read the book and you do 10 negotiations over the course of a year and it produces, you know, on average, if you take those numbers, it can produce, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in value. And much more important because the goal is to win warmly, it can build and strengthen relationship. And so there are wonderful stories that I cherish of students and clients who have done this work. And it's it's almost led me to fall out of my chair. So, you know, I'll tell you more about that if you'd like, but that's the gist of the answer. Absolutely. Let's go with those. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, stories from the field are always very welcome. Uh, they, uh, I, I'm sure our listeners and viewers would, I, uh, would, would be interested uh, to, to hear and listen uh, to, uh, to listen to those. So uh, yes, uh, please feel free to share those. Well, great. I'll tell you a big one and a small one. Um, <clears throat> the big one is um, I did a one-day training in which I taught uh, two, two or three of the tools that are in the book to a, um, an oil and gas um, um, uh, company. Um, uh, and then I went away for a year and I called them up and I said, how was the training for you? And they said, well, it was actually kind of, kind of fantastic. And I said, really, what do you mean? They said, well, when you, when you left, we were just coming out of a recession and, um, the, um, uh, you know, prices were soaring. A lot of our competitors were faced with high prices from suppliers. Um, but we really intentionally put these tools to work. It wasn't the only thing that helped, but it really did help. And as a result, um, our suppliers love us now. And in the last year, we've cut our operating expenses 38%. And I said, 38%, you're a, you're a New York Stock Exchange listed company. How much is that in dollar terms? And my contact said, let me calculate that for you. $100 million. And you should have gotten a cut from that. I said, I would take tips. And he said, I would too if I were you. Um, yeah, it's been a fantastic year. We did, we had a lot, we made a lot of progress. And in fact, it was actually too good because we attracted so much attention that we wound up getting bought out for a 37% premium. And the, the, the founders are now multimillionaires and I'm looking for a job. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes, it's okay. I, um, I got a very nice severance package. So it's all great. So that's, I, I, so I had to find out more. How did this happen? Um, and so I interviewed the, the chief operating officer, and I and and what he essentially said was um, that they, as he put it, we used hard data, soft skills, and essentially the soft skills were deploying the topics, targets, and trade-offs grid and, and a related tool, um, and um, baking into that uh, just hard research to understand the facts of the situation very closely and working as a team quite intentionally to put them to use. And by the way, what that means is that the hero in the story is certainly not me. Um, the tools might get a, a, get a real shout out. I would say that it's the leader who really gets the credit because if a leader really does make this a, a priority, this kind of success is quite possible. And a reader who makes this stuff a priority can very definitely have this kind of success. Well, a leader um, is only uh, is only <clears throat> a good leader if he surrounds him or herself uh, with wise advisors. Yes, uh, and so he, he definitely deserve a part of praise uh, for 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 for, uh, for those uh, for the benefits that they generated uh, by using your tools. Um, one of the one of our users has asked us about uh, the tool on uh, <clears throat> which helps negotiating with a Godzilla. <laughs> I think the name itself is so striking, uh, so <clears throat> so intriguing. Said I cannot, I cannot not ask this question. Sure. So, what do we do if we're negotiating? If we are to negotiate with a Godzilla? Well, the short answer is that each of the uh, tools, in a sense, is designed to help with that. If you think about it, if you've got a, mon a monster customer who's demanding action in twenty minutes, if you've got a boss who's flying a plane into a mountain, uh, if you've got a, a major recession or a budget cut in the loom, all of those are Godzilla moments. Um, but I'll give you a specific example. Um, 
imagine, uh, imagine I come to you and I say, I, I see that you have a Porsche Boxster parked outside your driveway that, that you own. You say, yeah, that's right, I do. And I go, I have an old beat up cell phone. And you go, yeah. And I go, you want to trade? And you tell me, look, get off my lawn. But I know a guy named, uh, who, uh, named Steve Ortiz, who's 15 years old, who started out with a used phone. And 18 months later, he traded for a Porsche Boxster. And if you think about it, the, the owner of the Porsche is in effect like a Godzilla, impossibly far removed from, from a 15-year-old with a phone, right? But something Steve did along the way enabled him to be such that the owner of the Porsche was happy to welcome him into his living room and transact with him. And what do you know, Steve drove that Porsche to his, to his prom. That's, talk about negotiating with Godzilla, right? How did he do it? We can sum it up in just a phrase. He made moves away from the table. In other words, before he went to talk with, with the Porsche owner, he traded that phone for a, uh, a boom box. And he traded the boom box for a, uh, a, a set of dirt bikes. And he traded the, the dirt bikes for a, a golf cart. And he traded the golf cart for a, 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 tr a, a pickup truck. He traded the pickup truck for a four by four and the four, a, 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 a four, a forerunner. Um, and he traded the forerunner for the Porsche. So he traded up, if you will. And that idea of, of building strength, both uh, uh, so that you are creatively more attractive and also more concerning to your Godzilla, that doesn't just happen, but it's, it's, it's the wisdom of the ages. Francis Bacon himself of England concluded the first essay ever published on negotiating with this phrase, in all negotiation of difficulty, a man may not look to sow and reap at once, but must prepare business and so ripen it by degrees. That's what Steve Ortiz did. And so one of the tools uh, in the book is designed to actually walk you through that process. That's amazing. I have to, I have to make a note to myself. Uh, <clears throat> I will uh, share this, uh, this quote and this story with uh, with my future students. So, Steve, tell us, uh, tell us, uh, when can we expect uh, the book to be out? Uh, where can we buy it? Uh, uh, I'm already excited, uh, to totally hyped up and excited about it. Oh, thank you so much, Remy. Uh, again, the name of the book is 15 Tools to Turn the Tide, um, and it's available now for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, it'll be coming out May 23rd, I'm given to understand, uh, uh, 2023 in, uh, in the United States. And uh, we actually are, uh, it's going to be published uh, in several other languages. Uh, it's coming out in, in South Korea. It's coming out in Taiwan. It's coming out in, uh, uh, in China, mainland China. Um, and so, uh, and I suspect it'll also be available uh, in Europe pretty soon too after that. Uh, although that I don't know so much. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, that that's the that's the plan. Sounds exciting. Sounds awesome. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I have to uh, go to uh, to Amazon. Uh, I will share the link with our with our viewers and uh, and uh, we'll add it to the post podcast episode as well. Uh, Seth, awesome. Uh, my last question, very last question, is always about great negotiators. So sure. who is a great negotiator for you? Um, my. Uh, I'm going to propose a an 11 year old boy uh, named uh, Leon. Uh, Leon um, 
was very frustrated that he didn't have a um, uh, a dog, and he'd been bugging his father for months for this and couldn't get anywhere. And then one of my students trained him to use these three little words. They took just like 30 minutes to do it. And then Leon used these three little words, and then he sat down with his father. He said, Dad, I'd like to have lunch with you. And the father said, okay, um, fine. Uh, so here they are having lunch. And Leon says, um, Dad, um, I want to talk to you about getting a dog. And the father says, Leon, we talked about this. And look, I'd like to have a dog too, but we can't. And you know why. Your brother's allergic. We live in an apartment. Dog's going to drive the place crazy. Um, and you're 11. How do I know you're even going to be able to take care of this dog? And Leon said, Dad, those are good things to be concerned about. And so I've done some research and I learned that there's a kind of a dog, it's called a Shih Tzu, I think, um, that almost everyone is not allergic to. And it's small, so it's really good for apartments. That's why you see them all over here in New York City. And there's a charity I learned about online that can lend us a dog for a, for a month so you can see how well I take good care of it. And the father said, we're getting a dog. <laughs> so it's Leon. Yes. Uh, well done. <clears throat> is my, is well my done, Leon. Do you have a dog, Seth? I do not. <laughs> Don't let my children hear this, this uh, podcast. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Seth, it was so awesome to have you with us, uh, with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted and uh, looking forward to, uh, uh, to the coming of your book. Thank you so much. My great pleasure. I mean, I want to thank you. You're an, you're an outstanding podcast interviewer, and I so appreciate your, your, your inviting me to be on here today. Thank you, Seth. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.